God, warrior, king, magician, lover. What the oh, yeah. What the WTF? <laughs> a lot of these young men, too, I, I think, are... They're living out the, the unfulfilled potential of, of their own mothers. If you damage the relating function in its broadest sense then they may have psychosomatic issues, psychosocial adaptive issues, yeah. uh, issues to do with, with their self-concept, their identity, all of these things, and you can't narrow it down to an archetype. I've certainly seeing a lot of young men who are having problems with their their mother complex, mm. it seems, James. The mother of all complexes. I, I'm afraid so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, they are, there's no doubt they're struggling to disidentify with that and and uh, to uh, find their own inner resources to overcome it and fulfill their own genomic potential but as with all these things with all complexes you you've got to be able to identify it and and to know that it's there and where it's at play in your life mm -hmm. and I mention it simply because we're seeing so so much of it. Yeah, a huge amount. A huge of amount of it. Probably the, yeah, almost the on a daily thing, basis. I would say, yeah, you? I would at the moment. Yeah. And they usually the, the typically the young men that we're seeing are probably in their early twenties too. Yeah. We're seeing a, a lot more men of that age bracket mm. coming forward and, and, and it just seems to be coming up over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it's the identification <laughs> they have internally with respect to their ego identity, with the influence of the mother as the prime imprinter of the anima. All of that being said in mm. classical Jungian terms. Uh, and it's the persistence of that and how that then affects every single relationship that they have in their life. It's, uh, it's, yes. it's awful, actually, I'm going it, that far. It, it is awful yeah. because clearly, I, I guess the one thing that we all want from our mothers it is affirmation for who we are yeah. uh, as opposed to uh, who our mothers might want us to be. And, and therein is, is the collision. And... A lot of these young men too, I, I think, are um, they're, they're living out the the unfulfilled potential of of their own mothers to some extent. Of course, that's not the whole picture, but where that's active, it's it's life sapping, isn't it? It, is. it, it yeah. really, really yeah. is, and uh, you know the. They're suffering in all sorts of ways, um, both in, in terms of the, their psychosocial relationships, um, some of them are developing terrible psychosomatic problems, yeah. there are all sorts of manifestations of yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, career choices, career choices partners, is another example. Partner yes, choices, absolutely. all of this is being affected by it, yeah. isn't it? Most definitely. Uh, and yeah. you even see it manifest through typology as well, which I think is quite an interesting thing mm. that they can either take on their mother's type yes. or resist it. And yeah. the, the resisting uh, element, I think, is really interesting mm. because you can see in Myers Briggs terms anyway the inferior function coming through yeah. to challenge. The, uh, the mother's dominant type, which they actually answer yes. the Myers-Briggs as. They do. Uh, or yes. in an unclear way. That's For example, right. uh, you gave an example before, didn't you, where someone had introverted feelings. That's right, uh, yes. And they manifest extroverted thinking. And yes. this is all unconscious. They don't know they're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's obviously an attempt, a homeostatic attempt, mm -hmm. to contradict the influence yes. negatively of the mother complex, yeah. which is operating in them in that way. Yeah. And you get a very undifferentiated type then. And people who followed Myers-Briggs stuff, as it's uh, popularly used uh, online, and the, the different derivations from that, different people who have tried to alter it, sometimes ignore the fact that 
not everybody has a differentiated type all the time. They do sometimes and other times they don't. We, we move in and out. Um, but you can pick up the, the pathological echo in where the disturbances uh, in terms of response are. Mm. And uh, sometimes it's, it really shows markedly like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. The, the other thing that comes to mind too is that, and again, not wishing to generalise, but for some women, for some mothers, they'd almost rather that their sons be gay or, sounds awful to say it, dead. but dead. Yeah rather than yeah. form relationships with real women yeah. and it, it's 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 the ultimate way of of keeping their sons attached to them and not allowing them to go out into the real world and, and to mate and relate in the way that they should yeah. do that that is intended for them genomically yeah. and it and it is a terrible wound yeah but it's it's one of those things that that's not routinely talked about. No. I mean, we talk a lot about um, fathers and sons, for example, mm. the, the conflict that exists between fathers yeah. and sons, but the mother's role is more subtle. Mm. And uh, it, in some regards, it's harder to identify for that reason. Yeah. But there's, it, it's no less malignant no. where it, it, it's operating pathologically. And there just seems to be, like I say, a, a, an upsurge of, of young men yeah. with this particular... Uh, complex yeah. and um, well, could that potentially be lockdown related? I in mean, one of two ways, of course. One, you're yes. locked in with your mum. Yes, you that's, could that's be. One thing. Could also uh, this idea of you know if, if the state's causing you to be locked yes. in, could you project parents of some absolutely. kind? Absolutely. Well, we talk yeah. about the nanny state. Yes, that's true. Yeah, forward. nanny. You're right. Yes, you do. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and that can that can feel cloying and oppressive and mm. suffocating and, and all of those uh, you know sort of adjectives come to mind um, because that's that's what it's like. Um, from from the inside looking out, I think when um, you see this thing uh, at work in not just sons' lives but daughters' lives as well, when when mothers are overly protective or they have some. Um, some other reason why they want to keep their children attached to them and uh you know, it's it it is it is going to be amplified by lockdown. I think you're absolutely right there, James. And particularly if, as well, you, you you're still living with your mother in the same house, and it's actually difficult to create any kind of physical space between you as well. I mean, it's almost like a like being doubly trapped. Um, that's not to say that if 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 you you know, you're physically separate, you don't still suffer from these things, you do, because even if you're physically distanced, you still carry that mm -hmm. wound psychologically. But mm -hmm. I think where you carry it psychologically and you're sharing a, you know, a house or, or a dwelling place of some kind, then that must amplify it no end. It must be absolutely awful yeah, for be. some people out there. Uh, uh, the um, so-called archetype of the devouring mother, yeah. and I'm saying so-called because oh. I think this is an opportunity to analyse that and then just see what an archetype is. Where, where does that come from, I mean, and where does it reside? If it's an archetype, then we've all got it, all men and women, mm, because yes, you know, yes. daughters can be consumed. They can, and they are, um, often. Yeah. Supposedly consumed in yeah. that way. So do yeah. we all have an image that's based on something biological? that says there is a devouring mother or do we individually experience that when it happens yeah, and, and when it doesn't happen we don't experience it in that way does that mean then that for those people where it doesn't happen that archetype doesn't exist or it's simply latent and has not been triggered 
Well, maybe, but that's a bit of a ghost in the machine argument. What we can be absolutely sure of is that there is a representation of a devouring mother that has persisted through culture, that is passed on through fairy tales, through myths um, and through other media that we have now, electronic media, the representation of it. So that exists out there and there are individuals, a lot of them, who experience it. Does that make it an archetype or does it make that make it an individual experience for some people that is confirmed sometimes and confirmed also in the collective experience of our ancestors as passed on through culture? All of that I've just said now can be demonstrated, but to say that the because it's obvious it's manifest in the culture, it's yes. manifest in individual lives. Yeah. But to say it's it's an archetype that is biological how on earth can you ever prove that it's an unnecessary hypothesis you don't need that to explain what actually happens but what will tell you what actually happens is instinct you and to find that what you do is you look at the role of a mother in giving birth and in the attachments a mother will have to a child male or female Mm. and the attachments instincts that come back towards the mother and then what happens to women as they get older and their, their, their offspring want to leave? Mm-hmm. These are all based on instincts, not on archetypes. The so-called archetypes are the product of those instinctive interactions, uh, those instinctive expressions and frustrations. And then their representation through cultural knowledge, which is uh, transferred across generations, transgenerationally through culture. But where's the biological instinct? The, sorry, the biological archetype's not there, but the instinct you can, yeah, it's there. You can see it, you can analyse the behaviours, and they are repeated patterns. So when we talk about the devouring mother archetype, what we should talk about really is the cultural representation of an experience which is collective for a lot of people, but the roots of that are instinctive. That's where it comes from. So in a clinical sense, if you want to help someone who's the victim of this, you have to get down to the instincts. That's the layer at which the healing will take place, not a displacement into the cultural representation. That'll help you because that provides a vessel within which to understand what's happened to you. Mm -hmm. But that's a narrative. It's not a biological archetype, it's a cultural narrative. You can definitely bring them into someone clinically, into their life, their knowledge and experience and say, this is what's happened to you, we can make sense of it in terms of the past. But how we're going to work with this, well, you have to get into your instincts and understand your mother's instincts for why she may have done that, what frustrations were active in her life. And when you do that, you find the web of connections is huge. It goes back to her parents, perhaps even her father. And what archetype are you talking about then? You're talking about a whole network of social interactions and biological instinctive roles that summate together and are mirrored in a cultural narrative. There is no biological archetype. That's a fantasy. You don't need that to explain what's going on. I know that's another one of those very tough uh, red pills to take, but it's nevertheless the truth. If you want to take the blue pill of the fantasy of it being some kind of biological, independently functioning image that you're born with in your head, that's absolutely fine and it might even help you in some way. But it will not solve clinical problems and it doesn't accurately describe the process of what really goes on. It's unnecessary and it's a distraction.
Yeah, yeah, it completely avoids the um, the personal context as well. You yeah. say you have a devouring mother. Yes. So well, what is, the person's going to go, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, is, what does yeah. that mean with that? That's a really good example, though, I think. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. Was, and, and you can break down any of these so-called archetypes in that way. I mean, the, 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 I mean God, warrior, king, magician, lover, what the, oh, yeah. what the WTF, <laughs> you know? What For God's sake, what is it? Lover? That's about sex. Warrior? That's about dominance. King, it's about status. Mm. These these are all instinctive issues. Draw it down to the instinct, and then the product of the instincts, which are these archetypal images, so-called, make sense. If you ignore instinct, they don't make sense. It's just a fantasy. It's diversional. It takes you away from understanding. Sorry about that, but yes. it's another one of my rants. <laughs> well, okay, I was wondering what, uh, obviously you guys have been seeing this recently. What have you been doing to help people? with this kind of stuff it's yeah. like a cluster of stuff you get into instincts you, you approach it obviously first of all at the personal level the complex don't you the, mm. the, the, what is their personal experience then give them a backdrop of understanding which will be the cultural narrative the thing that's normally called an archetype then draw their attention down to where the, the change can take place because they've been usually off-tracked from their instincts, from the trajectory that their instincts intend for them to become healthy, to become optimally adapted to the world. This is individuation in its real sense. So, yeah, complexes first. Then you descend down into instincts. You get them back in touch with their instincts. You blow the complexes away. You get them to readapt, and they are happy and content and reorientated towards their biological goal of adaptation. So, so, so in this case, then I know, I know this is being crude and broad and just yeah. made for demonstrative purposes. You said reconnect them back to their instincts. Yeah. So what if someone has a mother, the devouring mother, the other yes. type, yeah. that's come in and has really damaged their psychosocial relating? So, for yeah. example, so if it was a man, they can't talk to women. By reconnecting to instincts, what would be the first step in an instance like that? Would it be inner work, if you like, of bringing a problem to consciousness, or would it be throwing themselves on other men, or what, what kind of stuff would you recommend? For who? The mother or for the... The, the guy who's suffering. The guy who's suffering. Well, well, individual circumstances, the most important thing. This is why assessment is absolutely crucial, because overall, where is the damage? How is this... How does it work through in that person's life? If you damage the relating function in its broadest sense, then they may have psychosomatic issues, psychosocial adaptive issues, yeah. uh, issues to do with, with their self-concept, their identity, all of these things, and you can't narrow it down to an archetype because there are so many, aren't there? There are thousands of them. They're being invented by the culture all the time. But if you get down to what will make this person healthy and knit themselves back together, that is a process of descent away from the surface structure, if you like, of the personality, where the complexes are at work. You get down to the deep structure, which unifies everything. Or you could say, oh, this is Edward Edinger's ego self-axis. Well, yeah, you could use that as a metaphor for it. But the reality of it is that fundamentally it's biological. It has to do with the release of innate potential from within that person that's expressed psychosocially. The personal psychology is the bit in the middle, so it's biopsychosocial, that's the route you should take. So I can't give you an answer without a specific yeah. example. Well, that's an answer in and of itself, uh, yeah, isn't it? You, you, you need to have a specific person and assess them properly. There are no generalised approaches, which again, this archetypal reductionism, it's like, well, just follow this archetype or that. It won't do you any good at all other than create a fantasy it will not change you at all except in that way i know that that's true as well from working on myself for years yeah i used to do that all the time and it yeah. changes stuff like that will change your personality on the surface for a yes. little while 
yeah. and it goes back to being normal again. It does. You, mm. you'll, you'll tend to find confirmation bias for your archetypes as well. So you'll start to look at uh, media that express whatever mythic fantasy is drawing you. Yeah. You know, and so uh, suddenly, if you're into medieval knights, it's King Arthur, and then whatever, mm. and castles, and yeah, all, all of that. Because that yeah. all that's confirmation bias, but actually, it doesn't shift you at all. It doesn't move your personality. The real eye-opener is when you get off the surface, access your instincts, and then suddenly they tell you, and you feel it. You feel empowered because that latent energy is there. You'll also access positive emotion to make you enact yourself in the world to achieve the goals. Then you can return back to your fantasy and enjoy it without it being pathological. So that's, that's the way to handle that in real terms. Nice. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching, and take care.